Braves, Phillies, the rematch. They're all capable of winning the World Series. Now it's kind of like the fun starts. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is the Braves Report, presented by Kroger, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano, and this is a special NLDS preview. We're recording this live show on video just for our AJC subscribers who will be asking the questions to be part of the show. I'm at the AJC podcast layer while Justin's at our Braves Report headquarters at an undisclosed location in Atlanta. And Buddy, it is finally here. And I don't think this is a stretch to say that this is one of, if not the most anticipated October around here in a long time. Yeah, and, and it's going to be that way, right? Anytime you have a historic season, Braves fans lived through the 90s, right? There were so many great years, but you could only compare a couple of them to this year, I think. Even if you just look, I mean, I was very young back then, but just looking at the numbers, this is this could be the best offense in history. If you consider that the stuff coming out of pitchers' hands these days is probably a lot better than it was in the 1920s, 1930s, 1940s. <laughs> Jay, you look at these guys. First team ever to slug 501 over a season. Uh, they hit 307 home runs to tie the MLB record uh, with the 2019 Twins. And oh, by the way, I think if the Braves were playing meaningful games in the final week of the season, they'd probably break that record. (laughs) They substituted most of the regulars out for most of those final three games. Um, Yeah, this is a highly anticipated October because the Braves are so good. And you look at the field, again, I don't want to jinx it, but you look at the field and the Braves are clearly – clearly the best team in the postseason field um in my opinion the phillies are probably their toughest matchup in the nl which makes it a shame as we've talked about on the show jay that they don't reseed these things after the wild card round so right off the bat we get a best of five insanely you know anticipated rematch all right coming up we've got everything you need to know about the rematch can the braves fix what broke last year are these two teams as close as it appears? Plus, what we know about the rotation, the bullpen, and the rest of the roster. Also, how much is home field going to matter? And We've got the answers to your questions in the Ask Justin segment. This is your first time listening to the show. Welcome aboard, and please make sure you follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget, we're going to be doing shows after every postseason game. So as long as the Braves go, we're going to have a show for you out right after the game with exclusive analysis, sound from the clubhouse, the best experts in Atlanta all following the the Braves so jump on board and take us on the ride as we begin the postseason on the Braves Report, which is presented by Kroger. And it's October, it's postseason time, and it's time to stock up on Halloween goodies. Kroger is here for you to help with scary good savings right now. You can save 30% on select Halloween decorations, pumpkin carving kits, toys, and more. So visit Kroger.com slash Halloween. That is Kroger.com slash Halloween. And visit your local Kroger store today. We've also got the link to those sales in the show notes. And, you know, Justin, we just uh, actually have to do the live show today just to, to prove to everybody that this podcast is not a replay of last year's NLDS preview because we're really using a lot of the same material. I, it feels eerily similar in, in terms of the storylines, um, the one I think that's different, Jay, is the overall tone, the overall color of this series. I think last year when we broke down these two teams and the NLDS between the Braves and the Phillies, I think you really had a Phillies team that was dangerous, was powerful, had the power arms in the bullpen, had the two aces at the top of the rotation, but we hadn't seen it all put together yet. And I think now 
the Phillies aren't going to sneak up on anybody, man. They're not. They're, no. they're not. Uh, they do not lack shine coming into this postseason matchup. Let's say that it feels like all of MLB, the entire baseball world, baseball fans, baseball people are locked on into the Phillies. And last year it was more so. I feel like the pressure was on the Braves. And you could say this year that the pressure is on the Braves because of this historic regular season, because they've been viewed as the best team in baseball, because it would be all for naught if it didn't end with them hoisting a trophy amid the confetti. But to me, this feels like everybody expects the Phillies. I mean, everybody expects the Phillies to have a chance to upset the Braves. Everybody's talking about the Phillies and their postseason magic. And I wonder if that... I wonder if the Braves are actually going to surprise some people. I know people are concerned about the rotation. I know people are concerned about having to go play two games in Philly. This is the best team in baseball, though. And really, as many of this as the storylines are the same in this matchup, the one to me that is different, like I said, is it feels like the Phillies aren't going to sneak up on anybody. They have arrived. They're here. They're going to get everybody's best shot, just like the Braves would get anybody's best shot. Um and man, it's isn't a shame that this is the best of five. I mean, these teams need to play seven. Uh, I'm going to save my my rant. Go back and listen to like our last two Braves Report podcasts about my theories on the best of five NLDS. But I know we have spent a lot of time talking about that. And is it in MLB's best interest to reseed in the postseason? And you know, I saw one of your followers kind of called us out on that a little bit. He makes a good point that if the Braves are truly the best team in baseball, this record-setting juggernaut with the most wins they've had in 20 years, they should be scared of nobody. That being said. This team scares me as as much as any team in the game, quite honestly. The firepower and what they got and – you know, as we saw right there, I mean, it's they got a strike left. They're dangerous. And um, so, you know, it's kind of when you come in and play good teams like this, it's you expect it to not be easy. And it never is. That's Braves manager Brian Snicker back in September in Philly talking about the Phillies during that tough series, which the Braves handled and clinched the division, danced on their rivals field. But can you can you get a sense of the mood of the room now that the Braves are like, all right, enough. Yeah, I think they will never <laughs> they will never say it, <laughs> but but come on, I mean, you and I were there. That that clubhouse, that visiting clubhouse at Citizens Bank Park in the middle of October last year was a graveyard. I mean, it was somber. It was it was a funeral uh, because that was a team that believed they should have won it all. That was a team that yes, they came back from ten and a half down against the Mets, but that was a team that with the way they were playing believed they were going all the way. They believed they had the magic that the Phillies eventually had. And I think the Braves, man, I think I think they're going to be ready. Look, I, they will never say it publicly, so I don't want to speculate as much, but you think they don't see all that's being posted on social media? You don't think they see how this is being covered? Yeah, the Braves are getting a lot of coverage, but Jay, yesterday, I'll give you a good example I saw MLB tweet about the Reese Hoskins bat slam and another bat slam twice within the same hour. (laughs) Like the Phillies, the Phillies are getting plenty of coverage, plenty of praise ahead of this series. You think the Braves don't see that? You think the Braves aren't sitting there wondering like, Hey man, we're the, we might be the best offense in baseball. I I saw, I saw somebody tweeted. It may have been the Phillies account or the MLB account saying the revenge tour continues the revenge tour, they won the pennant. They weren't even supposed to. They were the third best team in the division last year. It, yeah, exactly. And and oh, by the way, the Braves clinched on September 13th. Not September 20th, not September 23rd, not September 18th. September 13th. 
that's how much better they were than these Phillies. I think, yeah, even if they won't say it, they said it last year. I remember Michael Harris told me in the clubhouse after that game four loss last year that, yeah, he's, he was going to use that as fire. He was going to use that as fuel. Remember how that feeling felt and, and not forget it. Colin McHugh did as much as stood on the dugout, in the dugout, on the f- top step, watching the Phillies celebrate after I think it was Travis Darno made the final out and said he didn't want to forget that feeling. He wanted to always visualize it, always be able to feel it. So the next time things came around, they could do something about it. Of course, they're ready for this matchup. They're not going to give anybody any bulletin board material. The Braves are smarter than that, but they know. I mean, they think every ounce of them thinks they're better than the Phillies. I think those two teams respect each other, but this is a Braves team that, look, they handled them in the regular season. Like, they did what they need to do. They clinched early. I I mean, there's no reason for them to believe they're not the better team here, and I think they're going to come out with a lot of fire. I'll put it to you like this. I would be very, very shocked if they were as sluggish as they were last year. All right, here's Phillies manager Rob Thompson after they knocked off the Marlins. You know, the one thing the Braves did is they played consistent baseball all year long. I mean, from day one, they really didn't go into any large losing streak that I, that I know of. And we struggle getting out of the gate, so it's something we got to work on in spring training. But um, but I think we're, we're playing very good baseball right now, and I think it's going to be a really good series. The Phillies did struggle out of the gates again. But they were 14 games behind the Braves. Like, Are they really a 90-win team? More like a 95-win team, but not a 100-win team? Yeah, I think to me, the lack of depth is probably what keeps them from being a 100-105 win team. They've got the star power at the top, but I think, yeah, they're, they're slow start notwithstanding. They're probably a 95-97 win team. I mean, when everything's clicking... But here's the thing about the Phillies, man. They just, it seems like September and October, the it starts to smell different for them, you know? It starts to feel different. They start to show up a little bit more. I, I like the depth in their lineup now, but I just don't think they have the same depth as the Braves, the same depth right now that you need to win 100 games, to win 104 games as the Braves did this year. Uh, the Phillies have the star power, but yeah, I, I do think they're slightly you know, worse than the Braves over a regular season. They're not a 90-win team, though. I think that was, look, a slow start. Trey Turner started very slow, um, which it's funny that, looking back, Philly fans gave him the standing ovation to get him going, usually the fans that are booing everybody. <laughs> yep. um, but no, they're these teams are pretty close. Here's what I think the separator is. The Braves' is lineup's length. Like, I think the Braves, one through nine, we've heard it all year, from opposing managers, from the Braves themselves, from opposing players. There are no breaks. Uh, If you're a pitcher, you can't look at those two hitters that you can say, okay, you take a breather here, go right after these guys, get two quick outs here. No, because, I mean, Michael Harris hit ninth for most of the year. He was the best number nine hitter in all of baseball, and it wasn't very close. Orlando Arcia ended with, you know, 20 home runs. Um, You know, you have, you know, down there, like Sean Murphy and Travis Darno struggled a lot down the stretch. But if that's the worst thing you can say about this team, that's pretty good. I think the Braves seven through nine has an advantage over the Phillies seven through nine, especially if the Phillies decide to go with uh, Rojas and Pache, a former Brave, in le- you know in the outfield to kind of maximize and optimize their outfield defense. And really, Jay, the rotations. I mean, the Braves have questions. 
But let's not forget that Aaron Nola wasn't too good this po- you know, this regular season. He he was held- good the other night, though. Yeah, but that's against the Marlins. And I, <laughs> I give the Marlins a lot of respect for the steps they've taken. Kim Ng's done a great job. Skip Schumacher do- did a wonderful job this year. But that lineup doesn't have anywhere near the firepower no. the Braves' lineup is. And, you know, Nola, I guess, you know, if you were to line it up right now, would start game three. Uh, Zach Wheeler, you know, would start game two. Looks like it's going to be, I mean, I would guess Ranger Suarez for game one. Neither teams announced that. I would guess it's going to be Suarez uh, versus Strider. We will find out in a matter of hours. But, you know, the Braves have the rotation questions. But don't don't forget, man. I mean, the Phillies, it's, it's not like they have some star-studded rotation. I think these guys got hot last year. The bullpen got hot last year. And that's that's what we're basing these things on. But you are what your record says you are, and they're not as good of a, as good of a team as the Braves are. They're just the only team that can hang offensively uh, enough to make people feel good about picking them in a series. For those listening on the podcast, we're recording this at twelve fifteen right now, so you may catch it after the roster and uh, bullpen questions have been answered. We'll get to all that in a minute, but. Um, we did ask our AJC subscribers to to submit questions beforehand, and we got forty one. Nice. Justin, care to guess how many of those questions were about pitching? I so uh, Nathan, who is backstage right now behind the scenes, um, the puppet master running this whole thing, <laughs> he sent us the rundown yesterday. So I kind of cheated and I looked at some of them because I was curious. I think we had about twenty that were about the yeah, rotation. Maybe. Like some of like, them weren't even questions. Some of them were just like, "I'm worried about rotation." <laughs> yeah, and I can't blame them. <laughs> so we got like twenty-eight, and uh, we'll let Mike Ray. He gets to speak okay. for like two dozen people. Nice. Uh, his question is: Will it be Strider and Freed and pray for rain? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, yeah, yeah. Game three. Uh, game three is going to get a little bit funky, or it has the potential to because. You would assume Strider game one. There's really no other way they could have gone after Max Freed threw 76 pitches in the simulated game Tuesday in a workout open to fans um, in which he, you know, he's still dealing with that blister. So I would assume Freed, if all is well, will go, you know, game two is on Monday after that off day. Game three could get a little bit interesting. Yeah, it, it's, you know, I, I would assume uh, my assumption is that Bryce Elder would make the roster. Um, it could be him. Uh, what if the Braves decide to do a combination of Kyle Wright and AJ Smith Shaver? What if Kyle Wright just takes it as far as he can and they go from there? Um, what if Smith Shaver's the bolt guy for somebody? Who knows? Uh, what if it's just Bryce Elder? I, I don't know. The Braves can get creative based on how the first two games go. Um, and remember that with the off days in this series, there's that built in off day between games one and two, which is going to allow the Braves to. If they can, if you know, if Max Fried's blister can handle it, start Max Fried and Spencer Strider in four of the five games, which really is the big advantage to clinching early and getting this number one seed. You know that that kind of that first round buy is the Phillies have to roll with the Phillies are praying for rain in game one. I mean that you know it worked out for them last year where Ranger Suarez beat the Braves at Truist Park, but I mean the Phillies are going to really have to kind of jerry-rig this to make the most out of Aaron Nolan and Zach Wheeler. Uh, the Braves, on the other hand, four out of the five, if everything goes well, four out of the five are going to be Spencer Strider and Max Freed. That's a really, really good chance to win this series. Uh, but yes, game three at Citizens Bank Park. If you're a Phillies fan, if you're the Phillies, 
you're probably licking your chops over that one with the Braves having some rotation uncertainty. But there's a lot of different ways they can do this. And remember, Jay, I mean, you can you can almost afford to manage some of these postseason games like it's game seven of the World Series. Uh, and so the Braves really can pull out all the stops. And if they just get it to the fifth, the sixth, I mean, they've got enough bullpen depth that if those guys are performing up to their capabilities, it's not like game three is simply a wash. Let's uh, before we get to game three, let's let's look at game one. Spencer Strider. Am I wrong to say that Spencer Strider might be the most important player on this team right now? No, no. I think uh, when you look at this series, you've got to have two wins from Spencer Strider, right? Like that's that's the easiest path to victory is you've got to have two wins from Spencer Strider, and one of them, with the way it's going to line up, has to come in Citizens Bank Park. Uh, you've got to have, and that, that could be a closeout game for the Braves. Um, it could be to keep their season alive. Who knows? They might not even get, maybe they sweep the Phillies in three. Who knows? But Spencer Strider, I think, is is probably the most important player right now. I think of the offense as collective. Yes, Ronald Acuna Jr. is likely this year's NL MVP. Yes, Matt Olson has broken Braves records. That offense is a juggernaut. It's a monster unto itself. Uh, but if we want to single out anyone individually, to me, it's Spencer Strider because Look, he, he knows. I mean, he's not going to say it publicly. Uh, he down, In fact, he downplayed it all year about the Phillies adding extra motivation from how last postseason went. But he remembers how that one went. He's a competitor, and he's, he's said before that he hates every, anybody who puts on a different jersey than the Braves jersey. Um, he's going to be ready. And here's what you can look at is last year going in, he had that, he had that oblique strain before that. That's a pretty tough injury to come back from for pitchers. Yep. That's a really wonky one where it can take a lot longer. Um, the effects can linger. But we should note, Jay, Spencer Strider's 8-0 in eight career games against the Philadelphia Phillies. Seven of them are starts. One was a relief appearance. He's 8-0 with an ERA under two. And he's striking out, you know, about a batter and a half, I think, you know, in an inning at least. Um you know, if not two, the strikeout rate has been incredible against the Phillies. He's been marvelous against Philadelphia. I don't know what it is. I don't know if their aggressive approach, just if he's just able to get it by him, just beat him in zone. But for some reason, he's been incredible against them. Uh, and that's his best, the best team, you know, in terms of teams he's faced. He's had the most success against them. He's started against them the most. He's pitched against them the most. He's done the best against them. So that's what the Braves have going for them is I'm going to bet that, you know, Spencer Strider's postseason start last year isn't a great indicator of what he can do in a postseason, especially against the Phillies. I think there are a lot of Philly fans and certainly the Braves fans on here who on who are on social media have heard about it enough the last 365 days about that. You know, the Reese Hoskins bat slam Strider's start at Citizens Bank Park. That was a limited Strider who could probably only go three innings max because of that layoff, because of his injury. Right now, this is Spencer Strider, you know, I don't want to say at his best because he had areas this season that he didn't like about the way he performed, but this is a healthy Spencer Strider, um, or so we presume, you know, against this Phillies team. And by the way, when he's been healthy, he's been dominant against them. And the Braves, their easiest path to victory is they need two good starts from him. Another player who was not at his best in last year's division series is Max Fried. Well, he may not be at his best again, but you were at the at the workout on Tuesday, 
pitching with a Band-Aid. How'd it go? Yeah, yeah. He looked, uh, I guess Brian Snicker later told reporters the next day that he wore the Band-Aid for all but the first inning. The first inning, he looked terrific. Uh, He looked good in the second. The third, fourth, and fifth were iffy. We'll see how much that, you know, probably hard to pitch with a Band-Aid. So how much does that kind of go into it? Uh, The Braves did not make Freed available, so we were not able to ask you know, any of these questions. Um, but he looked fine. I would say when I think of the blister, it's not so much that first start, right? It's probably the second start. Like, how does the blister come out of that first start? Like, it's on the pad of his left index finger. So on that little tip of his left, left index finger on the top, um, there, kind of on the top section. I don't know if you can see it right here. I'll point on my own finger. I'm not so worried about that first one. He's not going to not let, you know, he's not going to let a blister keep him from making the start. I'm more so concerned about the second one because by all accounts, maybe, you know, before Tuesday, this blister would fill up with fluid every time he pitched. So how bad is that going to be? Is it going to be bad at all? Are they going to have to drain it after that start? Where will that leave him, you know, for future starts? Will that reduce his role for a second start in the series? We don't know. And I think when you look at this, it's just, the word is unfortunate, right? You have this historic regular season and certainly the team to beat the Phillies. They're certainly the world and the Braves are certainly the world series favorites, but that's the big question is Max Freed. Is he going to be himself? How effective can he be with this blister? Because he won't, you know, the rules MLB rules say you can't pitch with any sort of bandage or anything on, you know, any adhesive on, uh, your hands, on your fingers, um, no matter what, uh, how effective is he going to be? Because you have this historic regular season. You have the team to go all the way, and they still could go all the way. In fact, they're the World Series favorites for a very good reason. Jay, you and I expect to be working very deep into October, into November, because they are that good. That's that's just a realistic expectation. But it's unfortunate because Max Fried has pitched to a 2.55 ERA when he's been on the mound, I think over 77 and two-thirds innings, I think it is exactly. He's been wonderful. Shut down the Padres early in April after a layoff, you know, do that at hamstring. After the big layoff to the forearm, shut down the Cubs at Wrigley Field. He shut down the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium. This guy is a big game pitcher. Like he shows up when it counts, when it matters. Uh, the good thing is this that in terms of physically, you know, the blister might be tough to pitch with, but it's not coming off of the flu. And if everybody has ever had, you know, the flu, a couple of days after, it's like you're probably still not back to normal in terms of you're moving around, you feel groggy, you're tired. That's probably how it was when he started that 1 p.m. game at Truist Park um, in the sun. I, he's going to be better off this time around, but still unfortunate that the Braves, you know, for the second year in a row, are going through something with him and Charlie Morton because Charlie definitely would have started that game three. All right, coming up, we'll get Justin's thoughts on the roster and the bullpen and how much home field how much home field is really going to matter in the NLDS. This is the Braves report from the Atlanta Journal Constitution, presented by Kroger. What's so great about being a Kroger Boost member? Free delivery on the Kroger products you love and more rewards too, like double fuel points on everything you buy. Experience a new level of membership starting as low as $59 a year with Boost by Kroger Plus. Learn more at Kroger.com today. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor. 
But I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, now the Atlanta Journal Constitution, word, you know, the, the Braves have led the league in wins and homers and all that. Well, the Atlanta Journal Constitution is going to lead Atlanta and lead the league in how we're going to cover this postseason. Our, our sports editor, Chris Vivlemore, has compiled a roster of like two dozen people uh, to cover these home games and a, and a dozen to go on the road. And there's going to be one way that you can get all of our coverage and everything that we have to offer. On this special podcast, our subscribers know this, but if you've not joined our community, we've got so many different ways for you to access Braves coverage on our website at AJC.com slash sports. In the e-paper, we've got our terrific photos and layouts there, this podcast, which we'll do after every game, and the Braves Report newsletter, which will compile all of our writers, all of our columnists, and we send that to your inbox every day. So if you have not done so, please go to AJC.com slash newsletters and sign up for the Braves Report. And if you have not become a subscriber yet, Now's a great time because we've got a special deal. Six months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. So to take advantage of that, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. All right, now time for the roster discussion. And we have not gotten the rosters yet. Actually, uh, one of our subscribers has asked us on our chat, uh, Joseph wants to know, what time will the NLDS roster be released? Yeah, I think it's... uh... 10 a.m. of the day of the game, so I think it would be tomorrow morning at some point. Jay, I've got a question for you about the roster real quick. Yes. Who is sending more people to the NLDS, us or the Braves? <laughs> it's going gonna, it's gonna to be close. It's uh, going to be Braves, closer, closer than it should be. The Braves have a bigger taxi squad than we do. Uh, all of our guys are going to play, and all of our ladies are going to play, but the, the we're, we're both going to have a very strong uh, strong rosters going. But So the, the question I think – first has to be answered on how the Braves are going to handle this is last year they carried 12 pitchers in the NLDS. Are they going to do the same thing this time with the, with the questions and the starting rotation and the, and the possible injury to Max Fried? Yeah. So I, I mocked that up and I, I ended up with 12 pitchers, 14 position players. And the reason I think you could get around that, even with the rotation questions is if you have multiple length guys, it, doesn't really like you'll still get through that game three if that makes sense that's two of those guys the same as you know a charlie morton so that's that's how i still did i don't think there's anywhere for that extra pitcher i think that extra position player is more likely like you don't need 13 pitchers in a five game series uh but you might need an important you know at bat from somebody so i went with the way i mean i i think it would be my best guess is 14 position players 12 pitchers jay all right, so we'll spot you in the 12 pitchers, Strider and Freed as the okay. starters. In the bullpen, Iggy, Mentor, Yates, Pierce Johnson, Hand, and Jimenez. So that's eight of the 12 pitchers there. Yes okay. or no on these candidates for the other four spots? Okay. For Bryce Elder, he's, will, he, will he make the roster either way? Yes, I think so. Jesse Chavez? Uh, that one I'm undecided on for a reason we will bring up in a couple minutes. All right, Michael Tonkin. No. A.J. Smith-Shaver. Yes. Kyle Wright. Yes. All right, so any any other dark horse candidates that, that may, that we haven't seen in a while, that may be hurt, uh, that could possibly be considered for that last spot in the, on the, in the pitching roster? I'm going to give you one we haven't heard of in probably two months, I think, oh, on wow. the show. Uh, Daisbel Hernandez. 
Wow. I think that could be an actual possibility. And the reason I say that is because when you're looking at the postseason, it's not like getting through 162 games. You need stuff. You need velocity. You need pure stuff. And oh, by the way, it helps. It helps if nobody has seen a pitcher that you're putting <laughs> on your roster, right? Um, I don't know that for a fact, but I think that could be a real possibility because he's a guy that can get, you know, 96, 98, even 99, I, I would think. Uh, and certainly he was on a rehab assignment toward the end of that season, right around the time Nick Anderson won the rehab assignment. Um, and I, as best as I can tell, you know, I, I don't think, you know, Nick Anderson or Alan Winans or Colin McHugh made it. Um, but I would say if my possibility of Daisbell Hernandez making it, if that comes to fruition, I, you know, I don't know that it would, that was just a name that, you know, I, I had um, in mind. I think it might be for Jesse Chavez. I, I don't know. Um, I, cause I, we, like we said, Jay, we're assuming that it's Freed Strider elder. I assume Wright's going to make the roster. I think he looked good enough in that final week and a half. Um, and then I assume, you know, Smith Shaver has been good for them. Uh, and has shown his medal and he's got the stuff to do it. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a crunch out there, man. And then, and then you feel you know, Brad hand made it. Uh, the Braves couldn't go without, you know, especially against Philly, but they couldn't yeah. go without a second lefty. Like that would have relegated AJ Minter to being used as a matchup lefty. You can't have that. You need another lefty to be that matchup lefty to pick a guy off here, or there uh, in the middle of a game that Brian Snicker can use. So you maintain the flexibility of being able to use AJ Minter in any late game spot, because he's not just a matchup lefty anymore. He's good enough for you to be your setup man. Uh, and so, yeah, so I, I think we're, we're pretty down. Should we, should we, should I read that off for the folks again, just so they can get it in one spot? Sure. All right. So we, here's what we've got starting pitcher. I've got max strider elder. So freed strider elder. That's three right there. Um, and then the bullpen, we did Iggy minter Jimenez Johnson Yates, Hand, Smith, Shaver, Wright, uh, and Chavez, if you want to go the safe bet, um, I think it might be, you know, I, I would wonder if they would go Hernandez to get some extra stuff in there, um, especially if he's healthy. Uh, and we haven't heard a lot about him. Teams haven't really seen him. Um, the Phillies have a reliever like that. Um, do you want me, how do you want to go through the position players so we can get all that in one spot so it's easiest for people to... So the uh, so, so we get to some of our Ask Justin questions here. The lineup's going to be pretty set. The bench is probably going to be mostly set, right? But this will, with uh, Travis Darno and Kevin Pillar and, and Forrest Wall as the runner, Nicky Lopez, you don't see any any surprises there, right? No, no. I would see, uh, yep, uh, Murphy and Darno as the catchers, the outfielders, Acuna, Harris, Rosario, uh, Forrest Wall, Pillar. Um, and then really the only question comes down to, would you have Luke Williams or Von Grissom? If you go with Luke Williams, it's a versatile utility guy. If you go with Von Grissom, it's probably a better bat for, you know, if you need a pinch hit situation. And Von can still, I mean, I think his base running instincts are very good. I mean, I think he can still run the bases really well. He's not as fast as Forrest Wall or Luke Williams, but that's kind of the decision the Braves probably had to make in this case. Um, and I feel like I've got a pretty good, you know, I, I think I, I hope I'm right there that uh, should we should. So where should we go from here, Jay? Well, I, the, 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 the last topic I want to get to before we start taking a couple of questions is home field advantage. And we certainly discussed 
when we were at Citizens Bank Park last year, how, how rowdy that place gets. And MLB.com Sarah Langs pointed out that the, the Phillies are 24 and 11 in the postseason at that place, which is the best mark of any stadium hosting at least 20 games in all of baseball. But the Braves have won eight of their last 10 at Truist. And I'm wondering if Braves fans are starting to take this personally and getting tired of hearing about this. Probably. They should be. I mean, I've said it on this podcast before that when Reese Hoskins hit that home run off Strider, like that place shook. Like you could feel it go from side to side. Here's the thing about it, though. Truist Park sold out 53 of the 81 possible home games this year. 53 sellouts, set an attendance record. I This is the battery is right there. Um, that adds extra. <laughs> this is Philly is a raucous place. You don't want to go into red October unprepared. But why are we acting like Truist Park is the trop? I mean, the Braves aren't pulling 20,000 fans for their – they're going to have 42, 43,000 people there, including standing room only tickets, um, and then people in the battery. You know, I, I, yeah, I think the Braves have been so good at home this year that I, I think it's getting undersold a little bit. And that's kind of what I was talking about at the top of the podcast where I think there's so much attention paid to the Phillies this year because – they haven't snuck up on anyone. They've been exactly the team we've really expected them to be. They handled the Marlins like we expected them to. The Phillies, there's a lot of hype there right now, and there's a lot of hype with Citizens Bank Park. It's gotten a lot of shine recently. Truist Park, man, is, has been the same fortress for the Braves. Uh, and remember, two years ago, based on the playoff system, at that time, the lower seed could have home field advantage if they won the division. And you know, the Braves were a higher seed because of that. And the Dodgers didn't win their division. They won 106 games and lost by a game because the Giants won 107. Well, the Braves say, you know, to this day, a couple years later, that they wouldn't have won the World Series without those first two games being at Truist Park. It definitely matters. And I sense that, you know, watching those games to now watching two years later, um, the home field advantage that the Braves have has only gotten better. And Truist Park is truly one of those raucous places. Like, it it's unrelenting in the sense that the fans are right on top of you. It's built kind of vertically, like on a small footprint that goes straight up. So it's, it's even more like I would say it's probably even more intimidating if you're a visiting player playing there for the first time. And it, it stays loud because of that offense. That's the one thing about baseball is if you hit it's energetic baseball. If you don't hit, you look sluggish. And this year the Braves are hitting at an unreal clip and, People at Truist Park haven't had a lot of reason to stay quiet for a long time. And so I I expect that Atlanta is going to make its impact felt uh, on Saturday and Monday. All right. Now time for the Ask Justin segment where we normally answer Braves fans' questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. But today we're doing it from our AJC subscribers and in the chat on the live show. And uh, first up from L. Eric Culverson. He asked, what's wrong with Chavez? Yeah, I mean... You know, he just he just comes back, and uh, I mean, it's not like he looked. You know, he looked sharp upon coming back, but I I don't know. Like, I'm not sure if they would go with multiple length guys. I think they would need to try to vet that out. And Jesse can give you an inning. He doesn't have to go multiple innings every time. Uh, so I guess there's nothing wrong with him per se. But I do wonder, you know, if if the Braves wanted to take a chance on somebody else, if he would be the first one to go, or if it would be Smith Shaver, if it would be right. So there's nothing wrong with Jesse, 
But, you know, obviously having that long layoff doesn't help anybody. He did look good, you know, right when he returned, though. Next up from Megan Jones. Seems like the open sim games this week were mostly for the hitter's benefit. Do you have a feel for how the energy was for them and if it seems to have achieved the goal of keeping the routines and the energy levels more like what's typical? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it probably worked probably about as well as it could have um, just because they need to see velocity. Like you can't go days without seeing a guy throw 95 miles an hour, 94 miles an hour. Uh, and that was the big problem is that last year, the Braves step in even against Ranger Suarez, who, you know, he's 92, 93. And they haven't taken, you know, many at bats over the last five days. Um, and so to me, that was really the main issue is like, I even had, you know, Austin Riley telling me like he was going to go in the bullpen and just see guys just to like see pitches out of somebody's hand. Um, so I, I think it was, yeah, it was more for the hitters for sure. Like, of course, I think that, you know, they wanted to see how Smith Schaubert looked. I obviously, they wanted to see how Kyle Wright looked, but I think it was more for the hitters just in the terms of like being able to stay quote unquote in shape, um, being able to stay locked in from that perspective, uh, because that's, it's kind of hard to simulate like the Phillies, our Gabe Burns, who was in Philadelphia covering that series and getting the lowdown of the Braves' next opponent, put it very well in his game story when he said that the Phillies had an 18-inning two-game tune-up against the Miami Marlins. Uh, they did not have a ton of competition in that series, but it was still actual games, and it's hard to simulate those, but I think the Braves did probably about as well as they could have having seven innings of pitching each night you know, um, and just getting guys at bats and getting them consistent at bats. So if you think about it, like the starters you know, got at least – you know, seven, eight, nine at, at bats this week. And that's only the ones we saw in the field. Maybe there was other live BP or other stuff in the cage. I mean, but I, I do think this probably ach- achieved the intended purpose as well as it could have. All right, next up from William Patterson. Is it correct that the Phillies struggle with lefties? If so, what would the Braves' bullpen order look like from six through nine? Yeah, no, that's that's interesting. I think that's one of the key points of the series. And that's where it helps, like, when you don't have a guy like Dylan Lee, uh, an extra lefty like that, who was Dylan Lee performing like we expected him to when he came into the season, because you've got Bryce Harper, you've got Kyle Schwarber, um, you've got Bryson Stott. Like really, if you if you start a lefty, like you can make it pretty tough on them because they've got Trey Turner, they've got JT Realmuto, but a lot of those guys are you know Nick Castellanos, but at least three of those bigger hitters are, are lefties, um, and so I think from six through nine. You know, I would be – I think Snit feels like like it's all about matchups in the postseason. I would think Brad Hand would be a big guy in this series, depending on, you know, the order of the lineup. But I would think that, look, the Braves are going to run their horses out there. From seven through nine, I would expect it to be Johnson, Minter, uh, and then uh, Iglesias if they, if they had their pick of the litter for guys, you know, if they had their perfect scripting. But look, like you can go Yates, uh, you can go Brad Hand. I think Brad Hand is going to be really important in the you know with one out in the fifth inning or with no outs in the sixth inning to come in and get like two you know two that top of lineup or something like that. I mean, I, I just think that you know picking off those lefties, especially if they're going to have Kyle Schwarber leading off and Bryce Harper hitting third, um, as has been the case for the most part. I, I really think that Brad Hand, Brad Hand is going to be a very important piece to this. But I do think because the Braves only have two lefties from seven through nine, they're going to use their horses. But I will be interested to see, like, let's say the top of the order comes up for the seventh. 
I would assume we'll see Minter in the seventh in that case, and then Johnson in the eighth or Jimenez in the eighth. I, but I would assume their top horses in their eyes are, you know, Minter, the bullpen circle of trust, to put it one way, Minter, uh, Iglesias, and Johnson probably leading that group. Um, so that's what I would watch for is look for Brad Hand in the middle innings, wherever they can slot him in to pick off a couple of those lefties. I think wherever that top of the lineup comes, whether it's the seventh, whether it's the eighth, whatever, um, I, I think that's kind of where AJ Minter's going to be. I wonder if they would not have Iggy pitch the ninth one day if the top of the lineup came up. I mean, they've had him do it all year against the Phillies, even with the lefties, so I don't expect that to be the case. But for the seventh and the eighth, I think you can use Minter interchangeably uh, depending on the spot of the game and, and where the lineup's going. From Robert Colton, how much playing time will Travis get at catcher this postseason? That's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. I 60-40? I mean, you so many of these playoff teams like you know, have one catcher going through the catcher that they favor, you know, calling games. Sean Murphy definitely takes the running game out of the equation more so than Travis does. Um, both can call games. Travis has been kind of in the system longer. Uh, but I would think it would be 60, 40, maybe. That's that's my best guess. Or maybe 64, it'll 60, 40, Murphy. Yeah, Murphy. Or maybe it'll skew even further. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, Travis was so important to their 2021 run that I wouldn't even be surprised if it skews 70, 30 Travis. Like if they feel like he's the better option, like they're not going to be afraid to do that. Like they've got lock Murphy locked up, but here's my overarching thought on this. You acquire a Sean Murphy and give up what you do because you see him as the guy who's going to catch the lion's share in the postseason. You don't give somebody like that an extension because I mean, look, he's not an offensive catcher. He's not William Contreras. Uh, you don't give a guy like that an extension unless you see him calling these big games uh, and catching these big games. I, I really think that it'll skew his way, but I think I don't think Travis is going to have. You know, I don't think we'll look back at the end of this postseason run and and saw that see that Travis had only you know two starts out of the however many possible. Um, I guess that's possible if they lose in this series, but you know, you, you know what I mean. Going weeks out, uh, I would think it would be more split than than just Murphy with the extreme lion share. All right, in our final minute, Amith Shea, and I apologize if I said that wrong, Amith, but uh, we'll let him have the last question here. Do you have any insight into the meetings that happen to discuss the playoff roster? Who attends? Who makes the final call? How much do analytics play a role? Yeah, well, these are all guesses because I've never been in one of those meetings. But You mean they don't let you hang out and Alex ask you questions on what you think? It, yeah, yeah. They don't they don't want to know what I think. I don't think it would be I don't think it would be as beneficial as the guys who know what they're doing from the analytics side and the coaching side. Uh Brian Snicker obviously involved. Alex Anthopoulos obviously involved. Uh the analytics guys work closely with the major league clubhouse as is uh to get them things, whether it's advanced scouting, whether it's game planning. Um and those, you know, the analytics, the R and D department, uh you can call it, works closely, you know, uh with with Alex obviously to inform some decisions or, or to really, you know, kind of inform some situations, but you know, it's Alex snit, the coaching staff, you know, has, has a play in it, but ultimately it comes down to like, you know, Alex has got the final say uh, on the roster on roster decisions. But I think, I truly think he does take snits uh, view into account um, and his, you know, thing into account um, with it. And then the account, you know, the, the feel of the coaches, because Alex is smart enough to know that the coaches are the ones around these guys every single day, you know, Snit and his staff. 
Um, and they're, you know, the trainers come into it, obviously, because it's like, how does, you know, if something, some guy's battling something, you, you have to make sure he's going to be fully healthy. So it's really, really a group effort um, with Alex Anthopoulos having, of course, the final say, but he, he's somebody who gets opinions from everybody. All right. Get on to the ballpark. Let's go. Yeah, let's let's ride. I mean, this is these five days were boring, boring, <laughs> especially because there was no baseball uh, in the, you know, the final two of them, you know, today and, and yesterday. So we we need to watch some baseball. We need some baseball to talk about. I'm tired about speculating about the roster. I'm tired about, you know, that we need we need some baseball. I, I can't wait for this. Uh, and it's, you know, it's probably the most highly anticipated Braves run ever, maybe since 98. I'm trying to think. I can't wait, and I uh, can't wait to, to do a bunch of podcasts after every Braves game, and hopefully there's a lot of them. So if you have your instructions, please rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe. We appreciate our AJC subscribers joining us for the special NLDS preview, and we will have new shows out after every Braves playoff game on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, Look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.